Welcome to the Frisco Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Ellis, and today we are joined by Jared Patterson, another Frisco resident who is running for the Texas House District 106. Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good to have you here. Thanks for coming down to join us today. Yes, sir. So you are running for the Texas House. The election is coming up in about three weeks from the day we're recording this, so Mm -hmm. that's probably only going to be a week or so away from when people are listening that it's time to go vote. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about you. Tell us about your background and what made you decide to run. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, a little bit about me. Most importantly, I'm a God-fearing, Texas-loving husband of one and father of three. Uh, My wife, Leslie, is a former uh, school teacher. She taught for six years in Garland ISD. Uh, Now she stays at home with our kids. Uh, We have three kids, Reagan, Austin, and McKinley. Uh, That's Two Republican presidents and the father of Texas. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought track. those names were familiar. I have no idea how I got the opportunity to have that kind of pull in, the, in that decision. But um, we've been married for 10 years. Uh, we moved to Frisco like a lot of people because of the public school system there in Frisco. Uh, so that was very important to us. And I'm running for state representative. Uh, but if you would have told me a year ago, uh, I'd have said you were lying. Uh, you know, Pat Fallon is the current state representative. He's doing a fantastic job. And I didn't uh, certainly would not have run against him. But when he decided to seek a seat in the Texas Senate, a few of us got together trying to find a good, strong conservative to run. And the short version is all roads kind of kept leading back to me and uh, based on my past, my experience and all that. OK, so tell us a little bit about that past and experience and why was it that that your contingent of of uh, friends and people you were talking to mm-hmm. decided that you were the right man for the job. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm a lifelong conservative activist. Um, you know, I've, I've served on city boards. I've served on a city council. I've served on a regional board called the North Central Texas Council of Governments, uh, which is a 16-county region. About 6.6 million people is what it represents. Um, I'm a former Republican precinct chair. I've uh, been part of the party before uh, three times, three terms on the, as a precinct chair. And then I've been a delegate to the state convention of the Republican Party of Texas three times. And, you know, at the state convention, you hear a lot of boring speeches. You hear a lot of good speeches. Uh, but the main thing is you work on the Republican Party platform. So what it means to be a Republican in the state of Texas, that's done at the Republican state convention. Um, so with that background, having served in public office, being a small businessman with a successful track record there, and uh, you know, being kind of a known conservative to a lot of people in the state, um, you know, it, it all roads kind of kept leading back to me. Okay. So when this opportunity opened up, you decided to run, uh, when did you actually kick things off? When did the campaign We get kicked going? off in August and I'll tell you, you know, they had to talk me into it. You know, we've got three kids. Our oldest is seven. Our youngest is three. And that's a big, big deal. You know, I've run campaigns before and, uh, you know, it's a life changing experience, even if you don't win. Uh, you know, to, to serve and, and to run a campaign. So um, they had to talk me into it. I was actually trying to find somebody else to do it. And a couple of people said no. And, you know, as it got a little bit deeper into the summer and, um, you know, it was really weighing on my heart, you know, we had prayed about it. And then Brian Livingston, who's on the Frisco City Council, he took me to lunch one day. And before we even sat down at the table, he said, you're running, I'm going to help you. And here's how we're going to do it. And um, that's when it really got real for me. And that's when I went home, talked to Leslie and she said, absolutely, you need to do this. Good. Well, definitely when you're running for something like office, especially something as big as this, it's helpful to have a spouse that's behind you a hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Because <laughs> it can be grueling. We know yes. that. I don't, I don't know how anybody could do it without that. Yeah. So 
Now let's dig in a little bit to the platform and mm-hmm. what you're running on. What are the things that are most important to you mm-hmm. that you want to either further or change mm-hmm. or work on if you make it down to Austin? Absolutely. Well, um, you know, there, there are things that are most important to me. And then there are issues that are probably more red meat issues for the district. And so I'll kind of touch on both of those. Uh, the most important issue to me is life. Um, so every session I want to try to advance the ball on the life issue. Uh, my biggest contributor is Texas Right to Life. Um, I'm 100% pro-life. Uh, I believe that life begins at conception and ends at natural death and that man shouldn't interfere in that. And um, so that's the biggest issue. But is that the biggest issue that people are talking to me at the doors? No, not really. Um, and I'm not going down there with just one or two issues you know, to fight for. The biggest issue in the district and one of the big issues that's near and dear to my heart is property tax reform. It uh, didn't happen last session. It tried. It stalled out in the Texas House. Um, but property tax reform is something that we've got to get done. Since 1997, property taxes have gone up in Texas 195%. 195% in the last 20 years. Um, it's just unsustainable. Uh, so we've got to do something about that. Um, the, the governor came out with a plan, said a 2.5% cap on property taxes. I don't know that that's going to pass, uh, but it sure makes 4% look more palatable. And that was the uh, the, the push last session. Uh, but a couple of other things on that. Number one, the end to unfunded mandates down to our local governments. Uh, when I served on the Saxe City Council, uh, it was from 2009 to 2013. Uh, terrible uh, economic times. And not only that, but the citizens of my city in 2006 had passed a bond that was two times the size of our city budget. So we're facing a big tax increase related to the bond debt uh, that the citizens had passed and terrible economic conditions. So we're combing through the budget. We're trying to find every dollar. We're literally counting the number of library books that we're going to buy for the library. I mean, that's how deep we're into the budget. At the same time, we had to fund thousands of dollars to replace perfectly good road signs to meet the state's new reflectivity standards. That is an unfunded mandate, and those things have got to go, and that affects your property taxes. So if we can find a reasonable cap uh, for uh, property tax increases, if we can end unfunded mandates and do some of those things, then we can start to have an effect. But the biggest effect on property taxes has to be school finance. That's the biggest issue. That's the biggest portion of the property tax payments that you pay. And um, so that's the biggest piece of the pie that we've got to address next session. Yeah. And that's something that comes up in conversations with us a lot, mm-hmm. especially as we're having, uh, you know, other other people on the, the podcast sure. for whatever election happens to be happening. Absolutely. Right now. So let's let's dive a little bit deeper into that Absolutely. One because I know that's a hot button for almost Absolutely. everybody in Frisco. Where are we on uh, the property taxes and in, in, in funding schools? And then mm-hmm. where do you want to see that go? Well, uh, let's start at the end game first. And I want to see us end our reliance on property taxes in general. Um, you know, a lot of the conservative movement is saying we want to eliminate all property taxes. Well, you know, sign me up, but how are we going to fund the government, right? I mean, right. you've got to have roads, you've got to have infrastructure, you've got to have schools. Uh, but there are some things that we can do to start chipping away at it. Uh, you know, my opponent's uh, thrown out some numbers that are erroneous, uh, erroneous on uh, saying certain percentages that I want to increase taxes and all that. That's just not the case. Uh, but the truth is, is that if we want to have real meaningful property tax reform and we want to start eliminating some property taxes, you're going to have to pay for the government through some other manner. And that could be through the sales tax. Uh, something that I've uh, looked at too and something I could probably get behind is eliminating part of the property tax that goes to schools that would provide a big, meaningful property tax uh a decrease to all residents, especially seniors that don't have uh, even kids in school. Uh, so you would uh, completely eliminate part of the property tax they pay and you would be able to pay for that through the sales tax 
by um, modifying it slightly. So, um, but that's only something that works if you don't raise the sales tax too much, because if you get into that ballgame of raising the sales tax and that starts affecting the business community in a negative way, and we just can't have that. So those are some solutions that I'm willing to look at and entertain. Um, I'm all about solutions. You know, I've got solutions uh, in my mind that could work, but I may get down there and they say, well, you know, we've looked at that and uh, here's the problem that we've ran into with that. So uh, I just know that we've got to end our reliance on property taxes to fund our schools. Uh, one other thing, there's a lot of numbers thrown out there uh, from some people saying that the state only funds 38% of our education. What they mean is, is that the state only funds the share of education 38%. They're talking about the share that the state spends, not total. So let me let me clarify that. The state is not going to write a blank check to school districts and say, we're going to fund 50% of anything that you want to spend. The state does increase funding based on student population, and they decrease funding based on if you have a lower student population. So the state is putting in a decent amount into public education, not enough, and we need to work on uh, freeing up some more funds to go there. But it's, it's misleading when people tell you that they're only funding 38% because what they mean is... I want to give a blank check to school boards and let them do whatever they want to do financially and the state guarantee half of it. And that's just not the way it's going to work. Yeah, I can't imagine how that would work. So what exactly is that 38%? 38% of what? I guess I'm not quite following. 38%. So uh, your schools are funded through a combination of state funds and property taxes. Uh, and, you know, Frisco's running into a big train coming in the next few years. Uh, we're not yet a Robin Hood district. Uh, there's some misleading information about that. We're not yet a uh, Robin Hood district, but we will be if things don't change in the next few years. And I think it's 2020 or 2021 that we would start sending $20 million to the state of Texas. It's good taxpayer money in Frisco that's collected in Frisco that's going to go to the state and going to fund other school districts in what they call property poor school districts. Mm -hmm. I grew up in one of those. Whitesboro, Texas received Robin Hood money uh, from the state of Texas. Um, in theory, the program wasn't bad because uh, state constitution requires that we give an equitable education across the board to all students, regardless of where you live. And I support that. But what I don't support is a statewide property tax because it's unconstitutional. And that's essentially what we have with Robin Hood is a statewide property tax. So again, if you're able to uh, remove part of the property tax, utilize the sales tax uh, to fund that, you could eliminate Robin Hood by utilizing that new uh, revenue source through the sales tax. So in theory, the the increase in sales tax, however nominal that would be, mm -hmm. would stay in the community where that tax was? No, it would be collected at the state level and sales tax would be then distributed to all. But it's not a statewide property tax, which is unconstitutional. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, I think I'm I'm trying to follow along with all the math here. I can see why this is going to be confusing to a lot of people. It's very confusing. <laughs> and let me tell you, you know, one of the confusing things about property taxes is that most people don't realize what the effective tax rate is. And unless you've served in a city council, you probably don't know what effective tax rate is. But what the effective tax rate is, is as your appraisal goes up, then the taxing entity should be lowering the tax rate so that the check that you write is the same every year. If they don't lower it enough, even if they lower the rate, but they don't lower it enough, that's an increase in taxes. That's a tax increase, even if the rate goes down because your appraisal goes up. So one of the other things I want to work on is reforms at the appraisal district. Folks have to fight the appraisal district every single year on what their property's appraised for. And the system's not fair. Uh, the folks that run the appraisal boards are not held accountable to anyone. They're not elected officials. Um, and so one of the things I want to do is see reforms made at the appraisal district level as well, because if you attack the appraisal district level and you have an effective cap on uh, 
the property tax increases, which would trigger an election of the people, then you can really start to make headway on these rapid increases that we're seeing. So right now, if if my house increases significantly in value, mm-hmm. I, I and I, this may be a mistaken assumption on my part, but the amount of tax that I pay is going to continue to increase. It based should on not. The, okay. It, it should, should not. The, the, the check that you write every year should be the same amount. If it's not, then they've raised your taxes. Because as the appraisal goes up, the tax rate should come down. And if it doesn't, then they've raised your taxes. Okay. Now, 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 here's the thing about that effective tax rate that we've talked about. Um, that does not consider new growth. So if there's a whole brand new neighborhood that didn't exist last year and exists this year, which happens a lot in Frisco, sure does. that's not included in the effective tax rate. It's only talking about existing properties that are on the ground. So when they talk about a 4% cap or a 6% cap or a 2.5% cap, that's on existing properties. The city, the county, the school district is already getting new revenue from the new growth that's coming in on top of that percentage increase. Does that make sense? I think so. Okay. It's very complicated and we're in the weeds. Um, but you know, if you want to have real solutions to the problems, you have to dive into the weeds because Absolutely. that's where the details are. Yeah. It's easy to get lost in the math if you don't really know what's going on. And, and then people make decisions that are may or not, may not be what we really want to see happen. <laughs> that's so, right. So, okay. And the other thing I want to ask you, and then we can move on is, uh, you mentioned the Robin Hood mm-hmm. scenario, but yes. Frisco is not a part of that. So our dollars are not yet being redistributed somewhere else. That's absolutely right. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, but it's on pace to be there. I think it's 2020, 2021, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Now, Plano, they pay like 150 or $170 million into the state that does not stay in Plano ISD. So wow. it's, a, it's a crazy situation that you can find yourselves in once Frisco gets over that hump and becomes a, a recapture. What is city. that threshold? Well, I don't know the exact dollar amount. Um, and it changes a little bit from year to year because you've got uh, the definition of property rich and property poor. If you drive around Frisco right now, you would assume just by looking around that it's already a property rich district. I mean, you know, I mean, median income is extremely high. Um, You know, home value, the median home value, I think is over 500,000 now for new homes. Mm -hmm. Um, So you would already think that we're there, but uh, that, that number kind of shifts a little bit throughout uh, over time. Yeah. And we've have heard stories about people that are that are they're feeling the pressure of the increase in home values because they may have bought their homes, you know, in, you know, I first moved to Frisco in 2004. Yes. And while I'm no longer in that house, I, I've kind of kept an eye on it. And I know that that house has gone up like 50, 60% in value since then. Right. And so for somebody that was still in that house and, and was used to that tax, that amount of tax that they were paying at that mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. you know, if it's increased that much, um, you know, over the last 10 or 15 years, that's, you know, a lot of families are going to feel that. Absolutely. When I'm out knocking on doors and I'm talking to people, it, the saddest thing that people tell me, I mean, other than, you know, obviously illnesses and things like that, but as it relates to property taxes, the the saddest thing that people tell me is, you know, hey, we've lived in Frisco for 10 years and my daughter's a sophomore in high school. And because of the property values going up and the and the tax increases, we're going to have to move and my daughter's going to have to make all new friends and go to a brand new high school as a sophomore or junior, because we can no longer afford to live here. And, you know, that's a, that's a pretty sad situation to be in to force your kid out of a, out of a school district because you can no longer afford to, to live there because the appraisal has gone up so dramatically. Yeah. Particularly when you're in such a good school district as we have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, let's move on a little bit. Sure. And beyond taxes, mm-hmm. um, we've talked <laughs> extensively about that now. Mm-hmm. Anything else in particular that's important to you or the people that you've been speaking with sure. that you really 
is, is close to your heart that you'd like to tackle? Absolutely. So um, illegal immigration is a quick one that we can talk about. Uh, certainly more of a federal issue. Uh, President Trump has done an outstanding job on lowering border crossings and holding those folks accountable uh, that do cross the border. He's kind of uh, given ICE their backbone back uh, after the last eight years of, uh, of the Obama administration. Uh, so that's good news that the federal government's starting to do their job where they didn't before. Uh, but we still have state tax dollars going to fund illegal immigrants in Texas. Uh, and Republicans have had control of both houses since 03, yet we still have state handouts. Your tax dollars going as handouts to illegal immigrants. So that's something I'd like to see eliminated. Um, you know, we still fund Hollywood to come in and make movies in the state of Texas because it creates temporary jobs. I'd rather eliminate that program and put that money towards a better use like transportation, education, or water infrastructure, or something like that. Uh, and then I mentioned transportation. That is a huge issue. With this district, you've got 121 tollway on the south. You've got the North Dallas tollway on the east. Uh, I'm endorsed by a group called Texans for Toll-Free Highways. Uh, that's a group that um, wants to make sure that we are spending our money appropriately when it comes to transportation. You see, we've got all these things that supposedly go to help uh, certain situations in the state of Texas. Like you may have heard the Texas Lottery supports our veterans and our education. Uh, it, actually, it doesn't. Uh, you hear the gas tax goes to fund roads. Well, some of it doesn't. Uh, so what they do is the state comes up with all these funding sources and they tell you it goes to fund something, but really it just goes to the general fund. Mm -hmm. Really, it's not used on those items. Uh, but bigger than that, we've got a situation with TxDOT, the Texas Department of Transportation, one of the largest bureaucracies in the country. One of the largest bureaucracies in the country in the state of Texas says they are too big to be audited. I want to audit TxDOT. I want to know where the money's going and why. I want to know everything I can about these contracts because I have a fiduciary responsibility to the voters in my district to make sure that we are spending their tax dollars appropriately. And I don't believe that our only options are tollways or no ways. If we have to have a tollway because we literally do not have the money to build it and that tollway is going to be built and the tolls that are collected are only going to pay off that road, that's one thing. But we don't know where the money's going. We don't know why. And I want to audit TxDOT and figure all that out before I make a decision to say any more tollways. The other problem with the tollways that are out there is that they have 50-year non-compete contracts with state highways, meaning the state of Texas cannot build a competing road for 50 years with a toll road. So that puts us at a disadvantage. The other thing is there's automatic increases on the tollways every other year. Mm -hmm. So like we talked about with the appraisal districts, these unelected boards that have such a big impact on your cost of living, unelected boards with the NTTA is the same thing. Unelected board that has a big impact on your day-to-day -day living. So those are some things that I'd love to work on uh, down in Austin is uh, transportation reform and making sure that our money is being well spent and that if I'm driving down the North Dallas Tollway and I'm, a toll is being collected, it ought to be going to pay off that road as soon as possible. Yeah, I think the uh, NTTA in particular, the toll roads, would be something that's certainly near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. I know Absolutely. I've had my fair share of headache with that. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, good. All right. So we're going to go out on this. Yes, sir. You live in Frisco. You've been there for a while. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite thing about Frisco? And is, and do you have a favorite place to go, a restaurant or anything mm -hmm. like that? Yeah. So, you know, our kids are three to seven and we have three of them. So we're not out a lot after dark. Uh, but, you know, the Star is just an incredible place to go. Um, my wife spends a lot of time with the kids over at Stonebriar, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just especially during the day, during the school day, you know, place to get out and be able to walk the kids around. Uh, they love going to the Disney store. Uh, if you get there when it opens, they have this whole big magical process with this big key that they turn and, and all that. The kids love it. They get a kick out of it. Uh, so, you know, there's just so many things to do. So many sports 
opportunities to go watch sports in Frisco, uh, so many different restaurants, uh, and even more now with the Star. Uh, so many wonderful restaurants in Frisco and just the entertainment options like the video game museum and the, the mm-hmm. railroad museum that's that's going to be just incredible. Uh, there's just so many options, so many things to do in Frisco. Um, you know, it, it's like you can never get it all done. Uh, you know, there's all these things that we still want to do in Frisco and we haven't had an opportunity to do them yet. And there's new things popping up all the time. Every day. And by the way, I'm going to give an absolutely shameless plug yeah. to Jungle Joe's. I don't know if you yeah. or your wife have ever <laughs> taken the kids there, but if they're in that age range, that right. is the perfect place. Yes, sir. Let them go run themselves ragged while you guys can, uh, you know, grab a sandwich or sit back a little bit. So. Absolutely. Check that out. So anyways, Jared, thank you very much for taking the time to come out and hang out with us today, giving us the opportunity to know a little bit about what you're about, what your platform is that you're uh, you're running on. And we're going to wish you the best of luck in the upcoming election. And for all of you out there listening, we say this every time and I'm going to keep saying it. These local elections are the most important time you can get out and vote. So please take a few minutes. Every time I go out to vote in a local election, there is never a line. I am in and out in... 60 seconds. It is super fast. It is super easy. So please get out there, cast your vote. It really does count. Absolutely. Jared, thanks again for joining us. Thank you, sir.